Welcome back to another episode of Discipleology, a podcast where we talk about what it really means to be a disciple and how discipleship works. I'm Andrew Hudson. Today, I am joined, as always, with Michael Kelly. Hello. Uh, Today, we get to sit down with uh, a good friend of mine uh, from Baltimore. Uh, He is the family and student pastor at a church there called Church of the Harbor and a super unique uh, congregation. Um, and I am pretty excited about today. Today, Tyler is with us. Tyler, say hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Tyler, talk to us a little bit about uh, how you ended up in Baltimore. So I grew up in a small town, Alabama, a little town called Holly Pond. Uh, People give me a hard time because it's a one red light town. Uh, But we had a uh, uh, a church there that my parents helped start. Uh, there was a church plant actually. And I uh, got to see a lot of ministry there, uh, being in the Bible belt, you know, there's a lot of churches there, but there's a lot of people still that are unreached. So, uh, we put a lot of effort into reaching the, the community, uh, where I lived. And during that time, I, uh, met a guy named Jeff who was our worship pastor at the time and uh, served in his ministry. He discipled me helped me to uh, just grow in my walk with Christ. And uh, down the road, when I was uh, called into ministry, uh, began working with him out in the Midwest. And there's a, a long uh, course there, but I got to serve at another church plant in the Midwest with him. And then uh, he was pursuing a uh, church planning ministry in Baltimore around the time that I was graduating college. So uh, we decided to go out and work together as a team. So you went from small town Alabama and trusted a guy named Jeff to move to Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I'm I'm pretty crazy, uh, and <laughs> I think Jeff's pretty crazy. So I mean, it must have been a huge adjustment, right? Tell, I mean, tell us your uh, like your first impressions of when you got on the ground in Baltimore, what life is like there, and what the community what the community was like where you guys set up shop and and started to live and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I remember the the first time I, I we drove into Baltimore, um, and we had we had a trailer uh, with stuff we were moving into the house, and I remember we got we got here at like midnight or something, uh, and we're driving into the city, and it's my first time being in a big city like that. Like I've been in places like Birmingham and Kansas City and stuff, but never a city as dense as Baltimore. And I just remember this feeling like coming over me, thinking, "Man, this is overwhelming because." Uh, it's not like any, it's not like Holly Pond. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we've adjusted here to where, uh, wouldn't call any other place home now. So it's, it's been a long transition, just getting used to, uh, the people here. It's a totally different dynamic. They call it the South. Uh, I guess it's South of the Mason Dixon line, but it, it's not the South. And in my opinion, it's not like Alabama at all. Yeah. That, that feels like a very technical definition of the South to me. <laughs> it's far too cold to be in the South. <laughs> I think it was five, six months into being here uh, were when the uh, riots broke out in the mm. city. Uh, and that was like our first real taste of Baltimore. We, it was like a big wake up call to what we were stepping into here. Man, that's fascinating. I, I'm curious to know too, in such a different environment than what you were used to, how did you in the, in the very early days, um, 
start talking to people about the church and sharing the gospel with people? And then maybe also, has that changed? Like, has the way you've done that changed as you've grown more and more acclimated to the city? I think we came out here with a little bit of a naive impression of starting a church. Uh, like, I knew it would be hard, but I think we thought it might have been easier than we really realized. And uh, we're, we're kind of crazy like I was saying earlier. So we just go out and start knocking on doors. And I think in the first month we passed out like 10,000 invitations to church wow. and had zero people show up. <laughs> <laughs> so we would, we would call that a not good ROI. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but for us, it, it gave us a good impression of the city. Um, we, we really got a feel for the people here. We really got a feel for, uh, how people perceive the church, how people perceive the gospel, had a lot of doors slammed on our faces and uh, profane words thrown at us. Um, and during that time, we really began to realize that if, at least in our context, inviting people to church uh, just wasn't going to work. Like people, people aren't really about it. So uh, we began to adjust and really uh look at ways that we can serve our community and get plugged in and uh, meet the needs of our people. And uh, what we began to discover is that if we could get people onto our front porch, so to speak, uh, by doing things like a cookout or uh, a movie night or uh, a block party or something like that, that uh, people were much more open to coming to something like that. And we got to have conversations about the gospel and about who we are uh, as a church. And uh, people began to uh, soften to uh, coming into the church setting. So uh, it, it took a lot of uh, hard work and just sticking at it, not being discouraged. And uh, here we are now with, you know, probably 130, 140 people average on a Sunday. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Talk to us about what your congregation looks like. Yeah, we got a we have a pretty good mix of people um, ethnically and socioeconomically, uh, age wise, everything. So uh, we have it's just a mix of everyone in our community. Baltimore is kind of a, a unique place because it's one of the largest ports of entry in the country, uh, particularly in the Northeast. So you get a lot of people from totally different backgrounds, and uh, so we're we're a very diverse congregation. Uh, we're, we're in our neighborhood, particularly, there's a lot of people who are, uh, in poverty or very, very low income. And, uh, there, there used to be a lot of jobs in our portion of the city, but, uh, the steel industry and GM factory that were there that, um, employed most of the people, they shut down. So a lot of people are, um, no longer working. We have, we're, we're starting to get more and more people who, are working as of recently, but a lot of people who are in poverty uh, is who we found ourselves reaching. Uh, we've been working to connect with a lot of city leaders. We've actually had a few events recently where we've had invited the police to come out. So we we hosted National Night Out. That was uh, pretty recently where we had police, fire, all that kind of stuff at our uh, church property. Uh, we had a police breakfast pretty recently where we had like maybe 15 officers in the chief of police come oh, that's cool. uh, be a part and uh, the tonight's event uh, we're we, or tomorrow night's event we're expecting to have more but we're not really sure but anyway they they've told us uh, that 
this is some of the first positive things they've gotten to experience in a long time because wow. so often like their jobs are just dealing with the hardest kind of stuff possible. And uh, to get a little bit of taste of positivity has been really helpful. And the chief police told us is particularly for like their newer guys uh, who are joining the staff, like they, you know, they just experience hard things all the time. So he was saying it's, it's really encouraging. It's a big deal to them. Yeah. yeah, There's people on their side. Mm -hmm. So as y'all are developing community with the neighborhoods, are people getting to know each other and are being more active or are you still seeing like heads down, not talking to each other? Yeah, I think with at least within our church, people it's really good. Uh, there's a there's a kid named Darius. He just goes out on his own, like no one even tells him to. He just goes out and starts uh, inviting his neighbors to church, like right. knocking. That's cool. Like that, and uh, he does it by himself, which is kind of crazy because mm-hmm. he's 13. But um, that's we're starting to see that in our church. That's just a picture of it. Like we have several people who are going out and uh, inviting their neighbors, uh, loving on their individual communities, and in a way that's not even just formal from the church. Like they're just doing it on their own because they've seen how it impacts their lives. So see, that's great. I mean, that's what you want to get to, right? Like it's, it's not, people aren't doing this because it's part of a program. It's so ingrained in who they are. I think that's wonderful. Their van ministry. They've got one van, right? Still just one. Yeah. One, one, we one need like, like 12 passenger. Van. <laughs> okay. And it takes hours to go pick up everybody and then take them all back Drop home. All and home. so now you've got a very intimate, Oh, time wow. with yes, those people. I'm sure. Yeah. So w- w- the the radius, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's small, but it's very densely populated. Uh, we we are um, we have this thing we're doing this summer, uh, w- which we're wrapping up right now, that we were calling Every Door Essex, and Essex is the specific community we're in right now. And uh, we we've knocked on almost every door, if not every door, at this point in our community and uh they're literally tens of thousands in our little community so we've knocked on every door and what we've done is we do cookouts uh specifically during the summer and we we give out free food hamburgers hot dogs we have inflatables for kids stuff like that and uh, we really use that as an opportunity just to knock on people's door and share the gospel uh we we had developed a little evangelism strategy that we use for our church and uh, you know, we don't just knock on a door anymore and say, Hey, I'm with church of the Harbor. Cause when we do that, people just slam the door on our face. But now we go knock on a door and say, Hey, we're having a free cookout with a thousand hamburgers, hot dogs, all free. And people seem to be interested in that because one, it's free two, it's food. Uh, and then three, uh, we're a lot of people here feel like there's no sense of community. Um, their neighbors don't really know each other. Uh, people are very private and autonomous. So we're working to build a community. So even with people who do have jobs or don't really need the free food, uh, they're open to it just because of the, the positive thing we're doing in the neighborhood. See, that's really interesting to me because I would assume uh, with people that densely populated in an area, there would be a strong sense of community, at least uh, like that people would know each other really, really well. So it's a little counterintuitive to me to say that you guys are are connecting people with each other that have never really been connected before. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, you, you would think just being so close to right, people, yeah. that you would know your neighbors, but it, it's it's really not. Uh, and I think sometimes people know their neighbors in the sense that they walk by and say, hey, if they see them, but sure. there's they they don't know their neighbors. I think back in the day, that was probably a thing people used to have little uh, cookouts on their front porch or they would 
uh, invite their neighbors over and uh, hang out. But anymore, I think a lot of people are just given the the high crime that's in our city and uh, just a, a lot of people would say like they're they're scared to to go out into their neighborhood. Uh, so they, they just don't really feel like they can go out and, and meet people. But if we host something like that at our church uh, and people drive by and they see 400 people at a cookout, they're intrigued and want to go participate. So for sure. I know, you know, I know every local congregation is unique in a sense, but just listening to you talk about church of the Harbor, it's, it seems like that unique is uh, like it's dialed up to an 11. Um, when, when, when do you think about a congregation like that? So we want our broader community, uh, our neighborhood to feel like they're loved and uh, cared for and that there's somebody there who can meet their spiritual needs. But also we're seeking to build unity within our church uh, such that people feel like it's a, a safe place that they can come and uh, grow in their relationship with God. So uh, community is definitely a big word that we talk about here. That's cool. This is really great. Can you give us a couple of, I just, I'm fascinated to hear. So you, you've talked about the the type of people that live in the neighborhood and the kind of environment that you guys are trying to create, but you've, you've also talked about some of the hostility toward the church and even the gospel uh, as you guys have been out and, and mingling uh, amidst the people that are there. And can you, can you give us a story or two of somebody who uh, has come to know the Lord since you guys has been there, somebody who has become a Christian? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, a story that I, I love telling is there is a, uh, a lady in our church who uh, lives in a neighborhood and we actually came across her because uh, she we were knocking on doors like within the first couple of months of being here in the city. And um, I, I was going and knocking on doors with Jeff, our, our lead pastor. And uh, we do this thing since houses are so close to each other. When you knock on, uh, like he'll knock on one door, I'll knock on the next door. Then he'll hop over me and knock on the next <laughs> door. And we're like three feet from each other because they're all connected. And uh, I went up to this house and there was a guy sitting on the front porch and he uh, just let me have it. He's like, man, I don't want anything to do with what you're talking about. Uh, he's like, I'm, get out of here. And he, he used a lot of uh, profane words that I won't repeat. And I said, yep, no problem, man. Uh, I appreciate it. And then I just moved on. <laughs> thank the next thank you for your input. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jeff, in the meantime, he's having a conversation with somebody. So I just go on to the next house. Uh, but, you know, I'm three feet from this guy because it's a, a row home. So I'm knocking on the next door and a lady comes out. I share the gospel with her. Uh, and uh, she she just goes back into her home after that, after our conversation. And so the guy actually pulls me back over and he said, hey, come here. I, I want to talk with you. And he said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. My life's kind of rough, but I'm, I'm not really into what you're talking about. But my uh, ex-wife, uh, she lives here and uh, she, she might be open to what you guys are talking about. Can, can you come in and, and talk with me, talk with her and her family? And we're like, yeah, sure. Let me wait on Jeff. So uh, Jeff got finished with this conversation. We walked inside and uh, began talking with this lady named Kathy. And, uh, after 30 minutes, uh, they said they wanted to come to church and be a part of what we had going on. And uh, they've been in our church ever since. And this is uh, wow. going on five years that we've been here. They've been with Church of the Harbor uh, longer than just about anybody besides our core team. And it's because even though I got cussed out. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> they, uh, just persisting in sharing the gospel. Uh, 
it, it allowed an opportunity for us to share the gospel with her and her family. And so now her, her mother and her uh, daughter are all coming to church. We pick them up every week to take them to church. It's Man, I awesome. love that. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. So, you, so, you know, that brings us around to, to the subject of, of what happens once people are in the church, once people are, are, are starting to get ingrained into the ministry there. Um, and one of the reasons that I think I'm anxious to hear you talk about the answer to this question, bro, is just because, you know, you've already talked about the uniqueness of the people and the experiences that you guys have had. I, I, I would also imagine that the, the methodology that you guys have for discipling the people in your congregation is probably different than what you might have had in small town Alabama. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> give us so give us some high points there. So somebody comes into the congregation, you've knocked on their doors, uh, you've been cussed out because because that always happens. Uh, but then the Lord redeems that conversation, and they end up coming to know the Lord. And now here they are in, in the church. What tell us about what what you guys do uh, to help people grow in Christ as disciples? So it's kind of interesting um, because. So I'll, I'll talk about a big picture idea, but Baltimore is considered a, a pre-Christian culture. Um, so yeah, it's, so it's break not, that down for us. I'm not sure if I know what that means. A pre-Christian culture. So uh, a lot of a lot of cities and areas uh, in America, particularly, they're classified as uh, post-Christian. post-Christian yeah, uh, and Baltimore is so far removed from that uh, that it's considered pre-Christian, as if. Uh, the church and the gospel has had uh, no influence wow. on people. Never existed. Wow. Yeah. So uh, a perfect example of this is uh, we do a kids club on uh, Tuesday nights and uh, I, I wasn't teaching this particular night, but I was hanging out with the kids before uh, we got started. And this girl walked up to me who is her first time being there and she's in fifth grade. And uh, she said, Hey, so what's this all about? this kids club thing, what's it all about? And I was like, well, you know, it's kind of like church, but for kids, I said, have you ever been to church before? She said, nope, this is my very first time. I've never been to church. And I said, okay, yeah, no problem. Uh, she said, well, what do you guys do here? And I said, well, we teach the Bible. I said, have you ever read the Bible before? And she said, I don't even know what that is. Hmm. And, and that's just a picture of uh, a lot of people here. Like they, they don't even know what the Bible is. Uh, much less know, you know, what's in the Bible, uh, what God reveals to us about himself through the Bible. So, you know, we have a lot of people who probably have heard of the Bible uh, or, or at least are familiar with some things, but it's all the time that we get people who, uh, you know, they've never read a Bible before in their life. We have to like literally show them how the Bible works, mm-hmm. how you, uh, you know, go to the table of contents to see where the books are. Um, we have to teach people how, uh, simple things like we had people come up to me and say, you know, Jesus did miracles. That's crazy. (laughs) Like they've never heard of this stuff before. Uh, So that's what we're starting with. We're having, we're starting with people who've never been exposed to the gospel before in any form, fashion whatsoever. How do you build on, on that? And I'm assuming that the Bible would be a big part of it, but you, you kind of have to establish I don't know, something about the uniqueness of the Bible. This is why we trust the Bible. I mean, is that is that a starting place for well, you guys? You get to start at ground zero this way, too. Yeah, that's and true. And so now you're building up a, a true good disciple. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, so we have these uh, things we call our Harbor Peers. And it's basically our way of teaching people what are important values for the life of every believer uh, and specifically in our church. But uh, there are things like scripture, prayer, worship, evangelism, stewardship, so on. And uh, scripture is the first one. So we, we talk about our Harbor Peers all the time, but we, we highlight how everything, even our Harbor Peers, but everything we value as a church flows out of scripture being God's word. So we just kind of make that a priority, not just in the way that we teach, but also the way that we do everything. We help people to understand that we're doing this because God has communicated that to us in his word. As we're going out and knocking on doors, trying to get people to even something like a cookout or whatever, uh, it's with the long-term goal of seeing them being made into disciples and not just uh, people who follow Christ, but mature disciples. Talk to us about your leadership team. Uh, so I know some of those guys have uh, become Christian within the, in the last few years, and now they are on your leadership team. How did you get them so involved? How did yeah. you get them to, to want to be on the leadership Equipped team? Equipped for ministry, uh, maturing that way. Yeah. Sure. So we have a, uh, it's, we call it a leadership council uh, because it's, it's not just a pe- team of people that we're investing in, but it's also a team of people that uh, we seek for input and things like that on decisions that we make in the church, like just direction and vision, things like that. And we, uh, we started that, I think, within the last uh, eight or 10 months, something like that. And uh, we have some people who have been uh, mature Christians their whole life. We have a, a few people on our leadership council who uh, they've, they've been mature Christians. They're you know, in their uh, 70s, 60s, stuff like that. Uh, so we, we really appreciate their input because they're older, mature believers. Uh, but then we also have some people, like you said, that we've reached within the last uh, year, two years, three years that we've added to our leadership team. And those are people who uh, have exhibited uh, characteristics of a disciple where they're not just coming to church and coming to community group, but they're also, you know, serving at our events. They're going out and sharing their faith, uh, doing the things that uh, we would see as mature disciples. So we, and they have also sought out uh, being more involved in uh, leadership and service capacities. So uh, we, we've talked with those people about uh, growing even more in their uh, walk with Christ, but also their ability to lead and disciple others. And so we, we, uh, we move them into our uh, Saturday morning group. And uh, that's really a time where we'll, we'll study uh, the Bible or we'll study a, we'll read a book together uh, and uh, spend a lot of time talking about it and how it applies to not only our, um, our church and just the, our, our personal walk with Christ, but how we can, uh, use what we're learning to invest in others, help others to to grow in their walk with Christ. And then we use those people as leaders in specific uh, ministry capacities, whether that's on like an evangelism team or uh, we have a, a transportation uh, team that picks up people for church on Sundays because a lot of people walk here. Uh, and those are opportunities to, to love on people and care for people. So we, we have different things like that where uh, those leaders are overseeing those areas of ministry. I love that you guys are plugging in people like that. I mean, I think sometimes we have the tendency to think about uh, serving like that 
is uh, an effect of discipleship, which in some ways it is, right? It's, it's you are a disciple, therefore you serve. But, but service opportunities like that, are, it's not just an effect. Uh, it's, a, it's a means of. So you're, you're actually aiding people in their growth as you're empowering them to serve, to serve other people. Yeah, absolutely. We, I heard, I heard a really good uh, thought from, uh, so we're, we're with the North American mission board. We're a, a church point with them and our uh, coordinator for uh, Baltimore and DC, he was having a training session and he, he shared this really good thought with me about how a lot of times, you know, we, we want to put people in positions of leadership who are, like us sometimes, or, uh, that are just super mature. Uh, but sometimes we need to give away leadership positions to people who still need room to grow. And then it's our job as pastors and shepherds to, uh, get them to where we want them to be. And sometimes it means putting them in a leadership position before they're, we feel like they're fully ready and, uh, just expecting God to work in their lives as we invest in them to see them grow into who God wants them to be. And a lot of times they end up better off than, uh, we expected in the first place or uh, better than we could have done it on our own. Yeah, it does. I mean, it goes part and parcel with that to adapt that philosophy. And and if you're the person that is is really trying to disciple somebody else, then it's incumbent on you to walk really closely with that person. Um, right. right. So, I mean, I love that aspect of discipleship too, that you're putting somebody in a position that in a way is going to, to force a continual connection between somebody who's trying to be a disciple maker and somebody who's trying to grow in their grow in their faith and serve. Tyler, what are some really practical tips that someone listening might uh, might glean from you? Sure, uh, I, one of the biggest things, and this has been a, a thing I am still growing in every day, is don't assume that uh, people know the things that you know or know. Uh, the things in the Bible uh, that you would expect them to know as a Christian. Uh, I've, I've been guilty of this so many times where I expect people to be at a certain place in their walk with Christ or just their understanding of how God's word applies to their lives. And so I assume that they know certain things or that they are able to do certain things. But uh, a lot of times, you know, people haven't had uh, someone to invest in them uh, or uh, share how uh, God's word would affect their lives uh, in a lot of different ways. So if we assume those things, if we assume they know everything about the Bible, then uh, a lot of times they're, we're setting them up for failure. So we need to uh, don't assume instead teach and display the characteristics that we want to see in their lives. And I think that's a good word, not just for somebody who's planning a church in a traditionally unchurched area, that's a really good word for people in the Bible Belt, too. Um, I know that in the Bible Belt, we're recording this, and we're in Nashville. Tyler, while you're in, in Baltimore, of course, but I mean, here in Nashville, just the language, uh, because you're, you're not going to find a lot of people here with the same reaction that you guys have in Baltimore of, I'm not sure what a Bible is. I'm not sure what church is. I'm sure they're out there, but they're, they're few and far between. One of, one of the effects of that, though, is that religious vocabulary and language is just sort of a part of the culture down here. So oftentimes you can say something and make the bad mistake of assuming that just because a person is using a word freely 
that they really understand the implications of what that word is. And if you're talking to somebody, then you can make the assumption that they know what you're talking about, that they understand and mean the same thing with that word that you mean when you're saying that word. It's a, it's a really, really good point. I just don't miss an opportunity to, you know, hit pause and back up and make sure that you're, make sure that you're actually explaining everything. Yeah, for sure. I had a, a really good moment the other day where, uh, we were, we were actually teaching through the, uh, Bible studies for life curriculum for students and uh, in our student ministry. And one of the uh, units is on uh, hard sayings of Jesus. And uh, some of the sayings, like I'm super familiar with, like growing up in the church, I've heard them all my life. And uh, we get to one session that's talking about how Jesus says we're to turn the other cheek. And I, I asked everybody, I said, you guys are familiar with the phrase, turn the other cheek, right? And I blank stares and it's students. So I figured, you know, they're just being quiet. I'm like, has, has anybody heard that before? And everybody's like, not really. And so I started talking about what that means. And I remember a girl, just, uh, her name is Portia and, uh, she, she hadn't been in church very long and she just interrupts me and she goes, are you serious? Yeah, that's right. Well, why would you ever do that? <laughs> He's like, for real? And I just remember like, to me, it, it just makes sense because I've heard that my whole life. But what Jesus is teaching is is radical uh-huh. compared to what the cult, culture teaches. So we can't assume that uh, someone's there or they know those things at all. So whenever I was a youth pastor in Dallas, we had a really cool church. We made sure that the youth program always had something cool to do. Um, and then we sat back and we wanted kids to to then come to us, right? Uh, what feels like what's happening at Church of the Harbor is y'all are very intentional about going out and reaching your community. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the decision to start uh, a program like that. Student ministry in our context is really difficult. Um, a lot of a lot of kids, as an example, they don't have uh, either both parents of the home or maybe even either of their parents in their home, and they come from really difficult backgrounds. And so there's not a lot of parental involvement or investment there. So there's only so much we can do. You know, we, we have them for two, maybe three hours out of 168 in a week and where they're being influenced by who knows what uh, during the rest of their week. So that, that, that's already a challenge. But if parents come and they have kids, usually they're going to bring their kids. For students, uh, a lot of students in our community just do whatever they want. And I, I see them all the time. Like sometimes I'm afraid to walk around Baltimore City by myself. And uh, I see, you know, 13, 14 year olds just doing whatever they want in the middle of the night, walking around, uh, playing, driving their bikes, hitting cars, whatever. And so as a student pastor, that's a big challenge to get people to come to student ministry because a lot of parents just let them make whatever decisions they want, even as 13, 14, 15 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it just getting people there is a huge challenge, but then also getting them to live that out because a lot of times they don't have the uh, parents going home and uh, instilling those values in them. Tyler, thank you so much for, for coming and talking to us a little bit about discipleship and, and how y'all are doing it in, in Baltimore. I hope that y'all will join us again for another episode when we talk to another church about how they are doing discipleship in their community. In the meantime, if you will head over to discipleology.com where you can download a free copy of Michael Kelly's book, Creating a Discipleship Pathway. 
We're giving that out as a free gift to anybody that signs up. Uh, there you can also get four free sessions of Bible Studies for Life, um, and we'll send you some curriculum for that. Michael, always a pleasure to see you. Thank you. Tyler, great, great job. We'll see you all next time.